This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I would love to share with you this morning my, a, a part of my story of how I came to Jesus and what happened in me, in my heart. So at the age of 13, I committed my life to Jesus. I was inspired by my SEA teacher whose life was radically transformed and I wanted what she had. So that was my moment when I handed over everything to Jesus and so many things changed in my life after that. But one thing that changed was I had this desire and this uh, just this eagerness to go anywhere and tell people about my faith and what I've experienced and this Jesus now that I know. So at the, at the end of grade 11, when I was 17 years old, I decided to sign up for street work in Cape Town. It's an organization that, that, that's in Cape Town that ministered to the people on the street. And I was super excited because that was my first opportunity now to, you know, apart from just being an SEA leader at school, I, I could go out, I could do the unknown and talk to people about Jesus. And I was very excited, but unfortunately, some of those moments I found very intimidating. So I was this young girl, age of 17, and one thing we did was we went out at night from 11 o'clock at night until four o'clock in the morning and then speak to people in pubs and on the street. And for me, it was just very intimidating and, and, and scary. So some, some things I enjoyed, but that for me was really, really difficult. And after those two weeks, it actually took me three years to sign up again for an outreach because I was just, I was, I went from excited to, to scared and really intimidated. And I don't know your story today. Maybe you relate to this. Maybe you've also had a moment in your life where you say, Jesus, I'll go anywhere. I will, I'm available. I will, I want to tell people about you. I want them to experience what I know. And then you did it and you stepped out and then maybe it was a similar experience to mine, you know, where it wasn't so easy and it was intimidating and, or maybe people laughed at you or they, they ignored you or they mocked you or they said things about you and then you decided, okay, you'll leave that for other people because this is not, this is difficult and, and you've convinced yourself that this, this is not for you. That evangelism is for other people, those bold, confident people. And you are shy and you will serve Jesus, but not in that capacity. You know, and I'm trusting to fan that flame again this morning. I'm really trusting that you're going to recognize that this is for everyone. You know, because if, if, if I could step out again, which I did, praise God, I stepped out again, I did it afraid, but the more I did it, the more I've learned, you know, to rely on Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit to help me. But, you know, the evangelistic anointing is not necessarily my strength. I had to grow in it. I had to learn. I had to, to, to make it part of my world. I had to be inspired by other people. But I guarantee you, if I can grow in it, then you can grow. You know, I grew up as a very shy little girl, and but when I got to know Jesus, and especially when I got to know the Holy Spirit, I changed. 
I changed. And I actually think I become what God wanted me to be. And I'm still becoming and I'm still learning. But if I can do it, you can do it. You see, and I've, like I say, I've, I've, I've grown in this anointing. And I'm eager to grow more. Especially because of the joy I've found in, in seeing people responding to God. You know, seeing somebody having questions, being disconnected, having no hope, no peace. And then God uses me in a moment to speak to somebody or to pray or to, to do something that facilitates his love. And that person's life is changed forever. And every time I experience that, I'm motivated to do it again, even though it's daunting. Or even though it pushes me out of my comfort zone. And I would love for you guys to to experience the same. So I want to illustrate it to you like this. If somebody who, who doesn't know Jesus is at zero, you know, somebody who's even negative about God, even an atheist, even somebody who's completely uh, negative or anti-God, and somebody who knows Jesus, who has a living relationship, who's got a connection, a, a daily connection to God is at 10. Then our goal is to move people from zero to one, or from one to two, or from two to three. You see, often we think it's our job as Christians to move people from a zero to a ten in one moment. And it's really difficult. And, you know, let's not limit God. He can do that. But I really believe that the moment somebody responds to Jesus and, and they move from a nine to a ten, there's been many moments, I believe, Many moments of prayer, many moments of seeds has been sown. Many people involved to get that person to eventually surrender to Jesus. So maybe I'm the one moving somebody from a five to a six. Maybe you're going to be the one who experienced this ultimate joy of facilitating somebody from a nine to a ten into a living relationship with God. But the win is not necessarily the ten. That's the ultimate win. But the win is you've stepped out and you've moved somebody closer to Jesus. And you know, for me, that takes all the pressure off. It really does. Because if I feel it's my job to get somebody who's, who's angry at God and I need to convince him to follow Jesus from a zero to a ten, you know, I, you, you just don't do anything because it's too big. The, the task is too big. But if, if we say this is a team effort, and let's do this together. And all that each one of us need to do is to move somebody a little bit closer. Even if it's not even a full one, like from a five to a six, it could move the person from a five to a 5.1. That's a win. And it changed my whole evangelism experience and my outlook because it took the pressure off and it made me excited because I can do this. I can move somebody from, you know, a four to a five. And... I realized that if I find my own flavor and my own style in this, I actually enjoy it. Even though it's not my natural thing, I've learned to enjoy it. I've learned to reach out to people in a way that is, is not always easy for me. I still need to step out. I still need to push myself out of my comfort zone. But it's not nearly as intimidating as I experienced it at the age of 17 when I when it took me three years to sign up again for an outreach. So I would love to show you a few scriptures this morning and just to break it up and to, to make it practical and to show you how each one of us can say, Lord, here I am, send me. 
with the pressure off and with the intimidation gone because there are things that all of us can do and it will bring you alive. So let's look at Colossians 4, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 6. So verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. Verse 5 says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Verse 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So let's start with verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. So I really believe each one of us is sitting here today. If you believe in Jesus, if you have a living relationship with God, the chances are very good that somebody prayed for you. You know, there's so many beautiful stories of, you know, the grannies who prayed. And they kept on praying for their grandchild and for their children, the moms who prayed, and the dads and the grandfathers. And, you know, some of us know who prayed for us. Some of us don't even know. But the beauty is that prayer is a gift. You know, I love giving gifts to people. You know, when, when I think of prayer as a gift, it motivates me because prayer is a gift which, which could lead to the ultimate gift, the gift of eternal life. You know, so that means that prayer could, could be the difference between life and death for somebody. So the greatest gifts I can give somebody on earth cannot compare to the gift of eternal life that my prayers can facilitate Ultimately, it's Jesus who's going to do the miracle of salvation. But my prayers can move somebody from, uh, you know, closer to the ten where they respond to God and where they have a living relationship with God. So if you love giving gifts to people, prayer could be, could lead to the ultimate gift, the gift of eternal life. So often we don't know where to start. You know, we... There's so many prayer requests. There's so many people who want prayer, who need prayer, and we don't know where to start. But these cards that all of you now have completed, it's an amazing tool. And I want to encourage you to take your card and to pray at home. Okay, it's easy to forget. It's now in your wallet, and it's in this glass jar, and so easy to forget. So we can't only pray for it every now and again at church. Now it's your job to take these names and say, God, I pray I pray, Lord, I ask for salvation. I ask for an opportunity to share. You know, my, my son is now 12 years old, and three weeks ago he completed also a little card with his friend's name on, and him and I started praying through those names, and I can see that he does something in him. You know, I can see that he's more aware of where they are at. He's more aware of the of the gift that he has, the gift of eternal life, and that he wants to share it with others. You know, I visited my, my previous card because we've done this before, and I looked at the names, and I realized that two of them responded to Jesus, two out of five, and they didn't know God. The one woman, she responded on an altar call during a memorial service here in church, and then the other one, I had the privilege of leading to Jesus, and I'll, I'll share you that story a bit later, but for me, it was so special, you know, and I, these names, you know, I put names down of people that they really didn't know God, and for me, it was so inspiring, so now I have new names, and now we, I, need, I need to pray again, you know, and the names I've put down, it's, it's challenging for me. But I know that it's not a challenge for Jesus, and I just need to do my bit, 
You know, God might use somebody else to ultimately lead that person to Jesus, but I need to pray. I need to do my bits. So I want to encourage you, do it as a family. Do it with your children. Do it with your spouse. Do it with a friend. Do it as a, as a life group. You know, we're really going to focus in life groups as well on, on people outside of this community because we want to expose them to, to Jesus and to what we have. I mean, you guys, it's, it's, it's such an amazing community. You know, I just want to expose the whole world to you guys because you, you carry something really beautiful. And if people who don't know God can just be around you, they can experience the love of God. So we really want to, in our life group, start praying over these names, start reaching out to people, partner, do it together. Amen. It's not, it's not just up to one person. We can all play a role, and that makes it so exciting. And then I also want to encourage you to, to find one like-minded person and to start praying together at your workplace, at a sports club, at your child's school. You know, wherever you find yourself, wherever you are at, maybe you work in an environment and there's not even one Christian around. Then what, what you can do, start praying and ask God for one like-minded person. And when you find that person, you start praying together. You know, it makes such a difference. I remember when I was at high school, the last three years in high school, I, I had a couple of friends and we prayed during second break. That was our prayer time. And we called our little group war. It was war time. <laughs> and for us, it was just, it, it, it motivated me to go to school. You know, because for me, school was not just school. <laughs> I mean, most, most kids don't want to go to school. But for me, there was a greater purpose. Because we prayed together, we prayed for the school and our friends and the teachers and whatever God laid on our heart. But, I mean, I was, I was young, you know, I was 15, 16, 17. And, but that is more than old enough. You can start praying even at primary school. You know, and I remember also in my previous job when I was still in, in, in auditing, we, would, we started a prayer group at our, at our office. I said, God, just give me one person. One person who would pray with me early in the mornings before everybody else arrives. And, you know, we started praying together for about seven years. We had this weekly prayer meeting, and whoever could go that morning would go. You know, it gave me a sense of purpose, more than just work. I, I, I wanted to go because I said, Lord, please use me. Please use our prayers. Lord, there's so many of our colleagues who don't know you. And... You know, I, I was just so looking forward to seeing the joy. And I mean, we, I didn't see as many salvations, but I know our, pr our prayers made a difference. I know we played a role in moving people from a zero to a 10. And I'm trusting, you know, that if every one of us can play that role and that part, then we could a lot easier lead people to salvation because they are, you know, there's people who are ready. They are truly ready. They're at a nine. They add a nine, but there's been groundwork that's done from a zero to a nine. And this is where we need to respond to God and just be aware of where people are at. So let's look at verse five that says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. So those who do not know Jesus, redeeming the time. Now, some translation says redeeming the time means to make use of every opportunity or to treat it as something really precious. I mean, we all know that we, we can't turn the clock back, Right. We can't, if, if, if time has passed, it's gone forever. 
which means we need to make use of every opportunity to, to move people closer to Jesus. And I just want to give you two very practical examples that I've witnessed in our church community, how people do it. But if you've never done it before, I want to challenge you to make it part of your culture. So every person on this planet's got a birthday, right? So I've learned to use birthdays as a wonderful opportunity to redeem the time. And I actually attended two 40th birthday parties this year that so blessed me because both people, it was Dion Henning and, and, and Lisa who had their 40th and they both decided they're going to invite people who do not know Jesus. And they're going to testify and they're going to share their story and they're going to point people to church and point people to Jesus. And I was just so proud of them. You know, I was, I thought, wow, you know, this is, this is what we need to do, you know, instead of, and I'm not saying we should do it every time, and I'm not saying, you know, we, we can't just have a bride with friends only, but if we feel the Holy Spirit leading us, you know, to use our birthday party or your child's birthday party as not only a party, but to invite people so that you can have the opportunity to move them closer to Jesus, this is so special. And, and also other people's birthdays you can use because who's going to say no to a gift on their birthday? You know, but sometimes we just congratulate people or sometimes we do nothing. But, you know, I've learned to, if, if, if I feel that God is speaking to me, even if I don't know somebody well, you find out their birthday and then, and then you trust God for a word. You trust God for a word that will show them that Jesus is real and you send it to them. Or you buy a gift that's going to speak to their heart. You know, not just any gift. You give them something that will, that, that God lays on your heart and you move somebody closer to Jesus. I mean, it's not that difficult, right? We can all do that. And then also something that that I know many of you have done, but I want to encourage you to keep on doing it. And if you've never done it before, to give it a try. It's just an invitation. Invitation to church, invitation to a life group, invitation to any event that could possibly stir their heart to know Jesus. So, you know, the Archer family, JP's been on stage with the church news. We have the privilege now of spending time with them for three months. But you know why they are here today? It was because of one invitation. So what happened is Malise was invited to an Awaken conference in Swakopmund in 2015. And she decided to go. And at that conference, she met Jesus. She, she was looking, looking, looking. They haven't known God in the way that they know him now. And she just said, I want to know Jesus like these people. You know, she responded to a... a Salvation altar call. She surrendered her life to Jesus. The next day, she said to her husband, let's go to church. You need to experience this. She took JP and the kids. They ended up in church. And JP, that Sunday, said, I'm following Jesus too. <laughs> How amazing is that? It was one invitation. And the, the rest is history. Three, three years later, they stepped into full-time ministry. They're leading a church now. So what if Malise was not invited? What, what, what if nobody took that step and saying, don't you want to join us for the ladies' conference? I mean, and what is the worst of what can happen? People can just say, no, or they can ignore you. And then what do we do then? We just invite them again. <laughs> you just do it again. You know, some people, 
who are now part today of, of this congregation, they've been invited multiple times. And eventually they just came because they were tired of all these invitations. They came and today they know Jesus. So a birthday or an invitation is such an everyday life event where we can just do a little bit of effort, be a little bit more intentional than usual, and it can move somebody closer. I mean, that one invitation moved my lease from a nine to a 10 because she was ready. She was looking for more, but she didn't know where to find it. She was ready. And that invitation led to somebody having a living relationship with God, a husband getting to know God, the whole family. I mean, how beautiful is that? So I want to encourage you, let's redeem the time. Let's make use of every opportunity, every moment to pray and to invite and to, I mean, I'm sure you can come up with your own ideas. There's so many things we can do to redeem the time, but we need to be intentional. Amen. So let's talk about seasoned moments, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So I believe we need to trust God for more seasoned moments in a conversation or in a meeting or wherever you go. So what is a seasoned moment? You know, I see it as a moment where we add Jesus to a conversation. We add the flavor of God. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth, right? We are the light of the world. So I believe when, when our speech is seasoned with salt, we add Jesus to a conversation. You know, and sometimes it's just giving somebody a gift or taking a meal or, or being kind. Sometimes it's a bit more. Sometimes it's, it's to share your testimony with a person or sending a link to a sermon giving somebody a resource. Sometimes it is just answering a question. You know, people have questions. And sometimes we, we don't want to answer because it can create a whole discussion and maybe even an argument. But sometimes it's just to be bold and to say, this is what I believe. And this is who I am. This is, this is my stance in terms of the gospel. Sometimes it's just giving somebody a word of encouragement or praying for somebody. You know, but the key is to, be, to first of all be available and then to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting, and then to pause. I'm bad at this. I'm bad at pausing my schedule for the sake of the Holy Spirit's prompting. And I'm, I'm really eager to be more obedient. When I, because I am available. Long ago, I said to Jesus, I'm available. And I hear the voice of God, but then I'm not always willing to pause. And I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, I was at Vincent Park, and I, went, I walked through the lady who sprang all the hands. And I felt God say to me, pause and pray with her. Now, I reason with God. So, Lord, this is awkward. You know, there's going to come so many people. How are we going to talk? How can I pray for her? She must pray people's hands. You know, and I walked past, and I missed the moment. So I was available in the back of my mind. I heard God, but I wasn't willing to pause my own agenda. And I justified my disobedience by saying, God, no, this is not going to work. You know, and um, yesterday I went to Vincent Park again. I said, okay, God, let's fix this disobedience. <laughs> let's find this lady. And now I couldn't find her, okay? And... Then eventually I did my shopping and I'm in the car and I'm driving away. And then from a distance, I saw somebody who could maybe be her. So I 
barked again. I'm like, you see, we must just be obedient the first time because now it's a big mission. <laughs> now it's, I cannot find her. I'm leaving. I'm parking again. I'm walking a long distance. You see, this is why we need to respond the first time. Now I get to this lady and now it's not her. It's not the one I saw. So I thought, well, I'm here now. I am here now. So I, I felt that God said to me, just ask her if she's got a, a, a daughter that she's worried about. And then she told me, no, she doesn't have a daughter, but she's got a son that she's really worried about. And we had this discussion and we could pray for her son. And I checked with her if she knows God and I could speak words of life over her. And, you know, it was a seasoned moment, but I had to pause and now the second time I had to pause properly <laughs> because I was almost driving away again, you know, and I'm not saying we should pray for every security guard every time we go to the mall. This is where it gets tricky because then we back off completely and then we don't do anything because it's just too much. But we need to respond to the Holy Spirit, to that still small voice and say, okay, Lord, you're not going to expect me to do it every time. But when you do, prompt me. Help me to be obedient. You know, and I just realized that, you know, there's, there's certain moments where we need to pause. There's certain moments we need to say, okay, Lord, my, my agenda can wait. My plans can wait five minutes. And let's, let's trust for a seasoned moment. Amen. I want to read you Matthew 5, verse 13 in the message. It's that part in, in the Bible where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. But I want to read it to you in, in the message because it's quite challenging. So it's Jesus speaking, saying, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors on this earth. But if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Now, the other translations say differently. It talks about you'll be trampled under uh, the food of, of men. But, you know, this, for me, gets my attention. Because I don't want to end up in the garbage. Please show them that picture of the garbage. Yeah, who, who wants to end up there? Not me. <laughs> so I'm like, I cannot lose my flavor. Because... If I lose my flavor, if I lose my passion, if, if, you know, if salt loses its flavor, it's got no use. It's no, no use. You're going to throw it away. You're not going to put it in your food. And if we lose our flavor, we lose our usefulness. And the, the end result could be that we end up in the garbage. We could lose our passion for God. We could turn away from Him. You know, and for me, when I step out... My my, the, the fire in my heart keeps on burning. It helps me to fan the flame when I step out of my comfort zone. Because I feel that there's a purpose. I feel that I see what he does to people. I see what he does to my own heart. You know, so if we do not want to lose our flavor, we need to keep on stepping out. So I want to ask you this morning, do you still have a flavor as a Christian? Or have you lost it? Have you lost your flavor? And if you have, what are you going to do about it? Because none of us want to end up in the garbage, surely. I mean, that's the last place where we want to find ourselves as, as believers. 
But if we are not careful, if we are not passionately pursuing Jesus, and that includes passionately pursuing people who do not know him, then we're going to lose our flair. So I want to challenge us this morning. I want to challenge myself. You know, because I know it's the times when I step out, that's when I grow. You know, if we just read our Bible at home in the corner, that's, it's a good start, but we can't stay there. We're only going to grow if we step out. We, our boldness is only going to increase when we step out. And it will add to our flavor. It will add to our flavor. And ultimately, we will be useful. And we will lead people closer, 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 closer to attend. And then more people will experience the born again, beauty of being born again. Amen. So the world needs to taste Jesus through us. The world needs to taste Jesus through us. That's, that's our job. So I want to share with you how do we stay motivated because I really believe anyone has had a true born-again experience. You would have at some point in your life said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. What I experience is so special. It's so exciting. It's so liberating. It is so unique and it's so empowering. I want to go. I want to go. I want to share the gospel. I want to I want to do something for you, God, in return for what you've done to me. But then life happens and we get busy and, you know, we do step out and then we are intimidated with negative experience like I had at the age of 17. And then we withdraw. Then we leave it for other people. So I want to, I want to share with you, how can we stay motivated as Christians, as mature Christians who's known God for a long time? Because I haven't seen a young Christian who's recently been born again, a true born again experience, who are not excited to share their faith. They are. This is where all of us have been. So we need to challenge ourselves. So we need to start with understanding the urgency. You know, I don't think I've ever been in a season in my life more where, where, where there's an urgency in me. We've done so many memorials in this building. We have heard about so many people dying unexpectedly, it's tough. It's hard. But that should motivate us even more to redeem the time and to pray. You know, in 2019, we had a scenario where we were, we were uh, lifting one of the girls in, in Vian's grade to youth. They didn't have transport, so we were picking her up every Friday evening. And her dad all of a sudden died of a heart attack. Unexpectedly, he was fairly young. And it rocked us because we... We were taking her to youth, but our interaction with her dad was very limited. You know, we would sometimes wave, you know, when we pick her up. And one, one evening, he even mentioned to Andre, oh, he maybe would want to visit church. But he never did. And then he died. You know, and we were, we were talking about it, saying if we knew that his time was running out, we would have been more intentional, Right? I think all of us, if we have a friend who passed away unexpectedly, suddenly, and that person does not know Jesus, we would have been more intentional, right? But two beautiful things, praise God, that has come from this is the, the one person whose name was on my each one reach one card, she responded at the memorial service to, to respond to Jesus. And then my friend that I led to Jesus, whose name was also on the card, you know, after, after this, uh, um, the girl's dad passed away, I said to her, 
I would love to talk with you because she was also devastated. She was helping us. We were rotating, bringing her to youth. And I just realized this is, this is the moment. There's this wide open door of somebody who does not know Jesus. And I mean, she, she knew that I know that she doesn't know God. She was fairly open about it, not going to church. But I just felt I must be friends with her. And our sons really became good friends. But I said to her, look, I want to, I want to speak to you about eternity. I want to have coffee with you. And in the light of this dad that passed away, I want to talk to you about eternity. So we had coffee. And, you know, there, there wasn't even um, tiptoeing around the issue because I warned her before the time and I could lead her to Jesus. You know, but I said to myself, what if, what if something happens to her? And I never spoke because I was pursuing, you know, I was doing the moving from, from zero to one and one to two, slowly, 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 slowly. But I just knew now it's opportunity and it's my responsibility. I cannot wait for somebody else to move her from a nine to a 10 because God has given me that mandate and that friendship, you know, to do that. So we need to understand the urgency. And sometimes you are the one who need to do that final nine to 10, moving somebody. You need to lead people to Jesus. And you're not necessarily going to do it all the time. Sometimes you're just moving them closer, but sometimes there's a moment and that's your responsibility because God has given you this mandate. He's putting you in the, in the environment or in a friendship or in a, even just a work environment or a, a colleague and you need to step up. And you can. All of you are able. You're well able. But then also we need to experience the joy because this really helps me. You know, if I see the joy of people experiencing something about Jesus, then I'm motivated to do it again. I really am. So about three months ago, I felt God wanted me to give one of my books to a lady that I buy skin products from. So it's a fairly new relationship with her. And I, I, when I picked up products, I took a book. And when she saw it, she started crying. And she said, Sonica, I've been asking God questions. I've been praying, and this is my answer. I mean, she, she didn't even know what it was yet, but she just knew. It was a moment that God orchestrated. And she opened the gift, and she saw the book. And when I left, she, saw, she said to me, Sonica, today you saved a soul. I didn't even pray for her, but for her it was so real. It was so real that she was praying to God for answers and she saw that as an answer. So the, the next time when I picked up products, I, I prayed for her and, you know, I can see and now she, she's got questions, but it is just so amazing to experience how God gives you a simple instruction and you respond to it and you just knew, wow, it's a, it's a seasoned moment. It's a moment where the flavor of Jesus is all over the moment and the person, and it brings joy to my heart, and it will do the same with you. You know, and also something that, that we need to find or to, to do is we need to find somebody who is passionate about souls, passionate about reaching out to the lost. And I have a friend like this, Nastasha Kotze. They've been in East London for a season now they're in Cape Town. But this lady eats and breathes and lives and every, sleeps. People who do not know Jesus, they're constantly on her heart. This is what she lives for. 
Now we need more people like Nastasha. We really do, because I'm not like that, you know. I am very much focused on people in the church. I'm, I'm, uh, my natural gifting is more pastoral. So I need to get this onto my radar all the time, you know. But Nastasha does that for me. You know, this year, she attended a, a boot camp at Christ for All Nations in America. She was pregnant. They have a beautiful baby girl now. But while she was pregnant, she decided to do a three-month boot camp at Christ for All Nations to grow in, in her gifting as an evangelist. She was three months away from her husband. Okay, that scares me. It really does. But for Nastasha, it's, it's you know, it's, it's the air that she breathes. She cannot help herself because God has put it in her. And she's running with it with all her heart. You know, and whenever I spend time with her, I'm motivated. You know, and we can either allow people like her to, to intimidate us, or we can allow them to motivate us. It's our choice. You know, Nastasha's not doing anything wrong. She's following Jesus with everything in her. But if I find her intimidating, if, if anybody else finds her intimidating, it's not her problem. We need to make a choice to say, I want to learn. I want, I want this excitement and this passion for the lost. So find somebody like that and spend time with that person because they are, they are rare. Or maybe they are among us, but they need to be raised up. So if you are that kind of person, you know, it's the air you breathe for, to see people getting to know Jesus. Please walk in it boldly because we need you guys. We really do. Because the majority in, in our congregation is, is more pastoral, which isn't bad, but we need to grow. I need to grow in my evangelistic anointing. Then I want to encourage you to develop your own style. There isn't only one style. You know, if you're going to think there's only one way, you need to go out between 11 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the mornings to speak to people in, in Cape Town at the street, and you think that's evangelism, and you don't feel up to it, then you're not going to do anything, right? But if you realize there's a, a lot of different ways and there's a lot of different approaches and you can find your style, you can find your way, but we all need to have a fire in us burning and keeping burning for those who do not know Jesus. But you can find your own style, right? We learn from those who are super passionate, but we don't all, I will never be like Nastasha, but I want to, I want to be, have more of her. But because it's not my natural gifting, I, I, I'm possibly never going to be like her, which is fine. But I need to learn from her. I need to incorporate what she has as part of my being and my Christian walk. And then I also want to encourage you to face your fears. You know, if, if I didn't step out again after the age of 17, if I didn't step out again, I would have never experienced the joy and and the liberty and just the excitement of seeing people coming to Jesus. You know, it does push us out of our comfort zone, but what happens when we're out of our comfort zone? Then the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, comes and He is our comfort. You know, sometimes we, we don't want to step out of our comfort zone, but that is exactly why we need the Holy Spirit. And He's the one who's going to guide us and lead us and help us and make it easier for us, right? And then we need to find a mission field. 
You know, this could be anywhere. It could be your workplace. Workplace is a wonderful mission field. Sometimes it could be your school, if you're still in school. It, it could be your child's school. It could be your antenatal class. It could be your, your running group. It could be anywhere where there's somebody who does not know Jesus. That could be your mission field. But you need to find it, and you need to be deliberate about your mission field. You know, so for me, our son's school has become our mission field. And it is so exciting. He's been there from the age of four. He's 12 now, so he's grade seven. So I've got, what, four or five months left at his school, which is, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me because we've worked with people and relationships. We've working on that scale from naught to 10 for, from the age of four. You know, moving them closer to Jesus. But I have only so much time left at this school. You know, so I need to be even more intentional. I need to be even have a greater urgency. Because if God moves me out of that environment, I'm going to step into a new school and a new environment. And then, you know, the, the time's gone I had at that school. And, you know, last year in, in March, March 2020 was such an amazing moment when when I started counting all the friends Vian has who's, who has been coming to youth, I counted 19 out of the 40 in his grade. And some of them only visited once or twice, but some of them were really committed. And that's been years. It's been seven years of investing in parents and in kids. You know, and 10 of them attended our youth camp last year in March. 10 out of 40, 25%. So for me, it was such a reward. It was such a blessing to see that. But then lockdown came. And it seriously affected our momentum at the school. You know, we can't pray on the school ground anymore. And, you know, we, we've, we've built so much momentum. In 2019, we had every time when, when there's a teacher's birthday, so we used to birthdays, we invited them to come to our prayer group. Then we'd give them a gift, uh, a book. And we pray over them and we trust the Lord for words that will speak to them. We've had many of them in tears after that session. And, you know, it, it, it brought me alive. It made me come alive. But then obviously lockdown and COVID. And I say to God, Lord, we had such momentum. So what are we going to do? And, you know, I just realized I cannot forever use that as an excuse I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh strategy or a fresh vision because I've got five months left at the school and I need to be even more intentional than ever, you know? But, and I know COVID's made things very difficult when it comes to an invitation or when it comes to, to birthdays. I mean, it is complicated, but I want to encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit. You know, let's be more God-focused and, and following His lead. If God wants you to invite somebody to church, then so be it. Then there will be a chair. Then you invite and you register and you pick up the person and you bring them here. But don't, don't tell yourself, oh, only 50 people can go to church and you will leave that space for somebody else. No. If, if God lays it on your heart to invite somebody, do it. Do it. So let's not allow COVID regulations to determine whether we are intentional or not. 
Amen. Let's work around it. Let's ask God for a fresh vision, a fresh anointing and a greater urgency to be more intentional. Amen. You know, the Bible says that the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And you know, when I look at us as a church, I have a desire that our it will be different for us. Our stats will look different, you know. That yes, the harvest is ready in East London, but from Shofar East London, the laborers aren't few. They're many. They're many. You know, why, why not? Why can't we as a congregation say, I will, here I am, Lord. Send me. I will do my little bit. I will pray. I will redeem the time. I will look for a seasoned moment. And yes, it's maybe not my natural gifting and I may be afraid and I maybe don't know what I'm doing, but I'm willing. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to grow in this gifting. So the beauty of this is we do it together. It's, it's not one person. It's not up to you. You know, it's so beautiful for me to partner with people like Hanli Bota is a, is a wonderful partner in this with women. You know, she's forever reaching out to people and, and uh, bringing people to church and inviting people to church. And, you know, it's just wonderful for, and, and they kids are at the same school as Vian. So now it's wonderful to partner, you know. Now we know the same person. And, but we know them from a different angle. And now we, we talk, how can we move them closer to Jesus? And it's, it's wonderful. It's a partnership. You know? And if we, if we can just believe in our products, our product is Jesus, I mean, and also our product is community, our product is church. If we can believe in it, you know, and I truly believe in you guys. I mean, like I said, if, if people can just experience you, they're going to fall in love with Jesus because they're going to witness community. They're going to witness people who are not just religious, but people who really love Jesus. So let's expose people. Amen. Let's say, here I am, Lord, send me. But it's not in isolation. It's together. So let's do it. Amen. Let's do it together. Let's get excited. Let's partner with one another. And let's, let's, let's get to that moment where we say, Lord, I'm, I'm leaving my fears behind. Let's do this. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.